everybody! Man, I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited to be here at New Life United. Woo! Man! I love it out here. I know some of you guys, man, you just couldn't bring yourself to put shorts on. You know, I understand that. Uh, so if it's a little hot, I apologize for it. But, man, we're just kicked back here today at the park, having a great time. I'm glad you're here. You know, there's, uh, there's some other tools that we have available for you today to help you process with us, to learn with us, to grow with us, to experience our service today. If you have a, a 3G device or a 4G device, if you've got your cell phone or your iPad or something like that, you can also activate version. It's in your bulletin. Um, in there are all the words to all the songs. You'll have all the testimonies that are there. I also provided for you the entire chapter of Luke 15 so that you can follow along with today's message. There's a great poll that's on there and a great feedback question, what we could do to make this thing better. And no, I don't want to have any statements like, can you turn the sun down? All right. So if you got ideas of how we can make these kind of events better, I want to hear about them. Um, at the end of that U version as well is if you have any prayer needs, please, please fill it out and send it to us. We have a whole team of people that want to pray with you and be a part of your life. So if you could utilize those tools, that would be great. I know that the sun might have a little glare to it, but just know that those things are available. The other thing I want to encourage you to do today is this. Take out your cell phone at some point today. Snap a couple of pictures. You know, send it out on Facebook while the service is going on. Or send it out on your Twitter account or your Instagram account. And let all your friends know where you're at today and what's going on. Okay? So um, that's pretty simple. So I just want to tell you, it's okay to take pictures while we're out here. To send them out to your friends. I want uh, I want our community to know what kind of church we are. That we're a church that loves people. We're a church that uh, you know is open to people coming. We're a church that is uh, a church that wants to preach the good news of who Jesus is in a way that transforms lives. So, with that said, man, I'm just excited to be out here today. We're going to talk a little bit out of Luke chapter 15 today. Um, so, have you ever lost anything that has great value? Have you? Who's lost something that has great value? Anybody? All right. All right. Yeah, I know. I've, I've lost a lot of things, you know, in my day. Um, but the, here's some of the top things. Anybody ever lost their keys before? You went to start your car, can't find the keys? It's a humbling thing, isn't it? Yeah. Some of you lose them more often than others. I got it. How about this? These are top things. Have you ever lost your wallet or your purse before? Yes. Look at all those hands. Absolutely. How about your cell phone? You ever lost your cell phone? Okay. Have you ever lost any jewelry before? Man. I lost a, um, I grew up in a home where my, my grandfather was a jeweler. And so he made a bunch of different types of pieces of jewelry. And one of the things that I had as this little tyke was, uh, we always, I always wore a suit to church and, um, I had a tie tack and it was made out of like real gold and had a real diamond in it. Why do they have a five-year-old running around with real gold and a diamond and a tie tack? I don't know. All right. Is this a good thing? I turned out the way I did after all of that. So I'm up in the top of the arch in St. Louis as a kid at five, six years old, and I lose the tie tech at the top of the arch. So you know what that got us? A free ride back up. So moral of that story is lose something at the top of the arch and you get a free ride back up. But you lost, so you lost some jewelry. How many of you guys have ever lost a pet? Now that, that's a bad one. All right. Lost a pet. That's horrible. Here's another one of our current day and age. Have you ever lost a computer file or an email? Yeah. Ooh, man, I heard throughout the crowd. Ooh. 
I think I've lost every single one of these items in the last 43 years of my life, and I have one common response to everything that I lose. I, I normally blame it on somebody else. Right, my wife is over there raising her hand. She's like, you blame it on me. Yeah, I know, it's a bad habit of mine. I do that, I tend to blame it on my wife, but I'm often humbled to find out what the truth is. So I've lost my cell phone before. I blame my wife only to find it in my own car. That's a bad day, all right? I've lost my keys to my car before. Blamed it on my wife only to find it in my pants pocket, folded up now back in the dresser drawer. You know that it's hard to blame others for the things that you lose. You're the one that lost it. You can't blame anybody else. And for many of you, you've lost things and you've left them at our church. Some of you, you've lost things like this nice leather jacket. This is all real, lost and found from New Life. Check that thing out, man. If you got a motorcycle, this would be sweet. We even have dates on things like when they were lost. It's crazy. I don't know who takes care of all that. But if you lost a leather jacket, get up here and get it. Look at all these Bibles laying up here that people have lost. How can people lose that many Bibles? So if you lost your Bible, get up here and get it. Look, ladies, somebody lost some sweet glasses. Saying, yeah. Sweet glasses. And look at this. Someone lost the hairband thing. I don't know what happened, but you lost that. Somebody lost the, what's these things called right here? Oh, this little thing. Someone lost that thing right there. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. There's reading glasses that are lost up here. There's, I mean, there's tons and tons of stuff that's lost. In fact, this is the thing that really confuses me. In fact, I'm really kind of disturbed with this. Someone lost their pants at church. That's not right, by the way. Try to keep your pants on. It's a good idea, all right? But there's other cool things, like, look at this cool thing, man. Someone lost this. Who would want this? Isn't this cool? I mean, I can almost wear that. And then, listen, there's only a few people with feet this size. All right, so you big-feeted people, get up here and get your flip-flops, all right? Make sure you get that. And some kid right now is missing out on playing ball with his dad. Get the glove. All right, you got your coffee mugs, you got it all. Uh, I also found there's there's like, you know, cooking ware. So if you need something for today's picnic, there's plenty of stuff up here. There's one other item I found in Lost and Found. And it's this little Starbucks cup. It's a Starbucks cup and it twists down on the top and it's green. I know, honey, I found this in the Lost and Found. It is yours. Seriously, it's real. I was digging through it and I go, that's my wife's. You lost it in April, just so you know. That's true, guys. I'm not even joking with you. I opened that stuff up right here on the stage this morning, and I saw my wife's cup in there. So we've all lost things, all right? You can't blame it on anybody else. It's just, it's just you. And in the Bible, in Luke chapter 15, it tells us a great story. In fact, there's three mini-stories in the one teaching about things that were lost. There was, like Pastor Eric did such a great job, there was a lost sheep, there was a lost coin, and there was a lost son. And all these things were so important that when they were lost, it, it required an all-out search to find them. The shepherds went out, they tried to find the lost sheep. The woman who lost the coin in her house, she ends up turning it upside down to try to find the coin. And the son that's lost, well, the son that's lost, there's a search that's way different than flipping a house upside down. A search that was wait, as a search of the heart. It was a faithfulness of the heart. And when all these things that were lost, when they went out and they found them and they brought them back in, guess what happened? 
Every time the lost thing was found, there was a great celebration that took place. I want to talk to you today out of Luke chapter 15 about lost and found. The first thing that was lost was the sheep. Here's the interesting thing about the sheep. The sheep was lost because it foolishly, it wandered away. It just walked away. Luke chapter 15 verse 4 at the beginning of it tells us this. That if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? A sheep gets lost. The sheep, it just wandered away from the herd. The sheep is you today. The sheep was me at one point. Lost in our sin. Lost in in a relationship. I had no relationship with God. I was walking through life like my eyes are closed, like it's dark. Have you ever been in a really, really dark place before? You ever been in a place where it's so dark you can't even see your hand in front of your face? That's what it means to be lost in this world without Christ. Where you, you wander around looking for fulfillment. You wander around looking to find something that would satisfy you. Looking to find something that will satisfy your hunger. You go from one thing to another, from one person to another. We search all over the place when we're lost, trying to find what life means. That is intuitive. That's inside of you. God put that there. He put a need in the inside of you to wander around looking for Him. And when you find Him, that you would become part of the herd. Or you become part of His church. You become one of His in relationship with Him through Christ. And one of the reasons why we wander, we wander away, is because we get distracted. Today, today at New Life United, some of you, you grew up in church. And you've, you've wandered away from Christ. But yet you find yourself sitting here today because a friend invited you. A neighbor invited you. But you used to know Christ. You used to be a part of, if I can use the word, the herd. You used to be a part of his family, but you've, you've wandered away. You may have wandered away because you got distracted. Distracted like trying to take your kids to Disney World or something like that. And trying to get them through ride to ride. And all of a sudden you're missing one. I remember taking our kids to Disney World and you're, you're walking through, you know, things and they're just looking, you know, all over the place and you're trying to keep them going, going, come on, come on. They're like, it's goofy. It's Minnie Mouse. And it's the, in life we get, we get distracted. We get distracted by things. We get distracted by work. We get distracted by other relationships. We get distracted by finances. We get distracted by our own interests and we end up walking away, wandering away. And before you know it, a year's gone by and you haven't even fellowshipped with church and with family anymore. And you haven't found yourself in a worship environment. And before you know it, you're, you're behaving and doing the, the types of things that you never thought you would do as you wandered away. Another reason why we wander away is because we get comfortable in the journey. Some of you, you just got so comfortable in Christianity that you stopped reading your Bible. You stopped praying. You stopped worshiping. You just got comfortable. You said, I got this. I got this all figured out. And when you think you got it all figured out, your eyes are on the wrong thing. And you wandered away. It's okay. Don't worry. It's it's okay. I'm not beating you up for it. Neither is God. I'm just telling you, that's, that's how we wander away. Other, others of you, you started, you started with the wrong focus. You came to God and you started your relationship because you were in a really bad situation. And you came to God and you said, God, fix my situation. And so you came to God going, God, fix me. And then your whole journey has been a journey of fix this, fix this, fix this. And when God didn't seem to come through for you to fix it, then you wandered away. Because he didn't meet your expectation today. You chased the wrong thing. And in the end of the journey, you end off way off course. But what is God's heart towards the sheep that wanders away? What's God's heart towards that person who's lost today, which might be you today? What is God's heart towards you today? 
Well, the second part of that verse 15, verse 4, said this. He, God, God would leave the 99 others. He would leave the 99 others in the wilderness, and he would go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it. There's some things about God's heart that you've got to know today. First off, he would leave the 99. You know what that tells me about God? God has a firm grip on his count. He has a firm grip on the count of those that consider themselves to be Christ followers. God hasn't forgot about you. God knows every one of you by name. He knows every one of you by personality and by character. He knows when one starts wandering away. It doesn't catch God by surprise. God sees you starting to wander away. But God gave us free will and free choice that we could just walk away if we wanted to. That's the same way we walked into relationship with him. But God knows it matters to God when one wanders away. Another thing that, that this verse tells us about God's heart is that he would search after you no matter what the conditions are. If you had to search into the wilderness, he would search after you. If you had to search into a climate that was steep or that was hot, or that was brutal. He would do whatever it takes. He's searching after you no matter what the condition is. And that includes no matter what the condition of your heart is. You have not wandered away from God so far that God can't find you. God's still searching for you. He's reaching out to grab a hold of you. He sees you as you cross over the next horizon. He goes, I'm still on your path. I'm still tracking you down. God will never stop tracking down the one today who has wandered away. You can't wander away so far from God that God's love doesn't extend to your life today. God never gives up. He never gives up its search until the sheep is found. The end of that verse says that he'll never stop searching until the lost is found. Today, you need to know you're here. You're here because the power of God's spirit, you were invited, but God's spirit was speaking to you and you came today. I know that as a fact. No one accidentally makes their way into church. No one accidentally makes their way into relationship with God. If you're here today and you're like the sheep who wandered away, this is by no accident that you're here today. Today, you might be the one that was lost. And you just might be the one that is found. But that choice is in your hands. You can keep walking away or you can realize that you're walking away and you can turn around and you can come back to Christ today. That's going to be up to you. That's one one picture of what it means to be lost, but that's not where this parable stops. In fact, it goes on from there and it says there's a coin that was lost. You saw the big coin that was lost. But here's the unique thing about the coin. The coin was lost. The coin was lost. No fault of its own. That means the coin, the coin didn't just get up and walk away like a sheep. The coin didn't wander away. The coin was lost. No fault of its own. It says in Luke chapter 15, verse 8, that suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and then she loses one. She loses it. The coin in this parable represented basically a day's wages. That's a lot, right? If you lost a day's wages, would you search after it? If you lost a day's wages and it was someplace in your house, what would you do to find a day's wages? Would you do what I would do? You'd flip the couches upside down. You'd get all the cushions off. You'd shake it all. You'd go into your kid's room and look in their piggy bank. Yes, that's where you would go. I would check my kid's pockets. Where did you find, where did you find that couple of hundred bucks? You know, you would search, yeah, because it's important. But a coin, a coin is driven by an outside influence. It doesn't choose where it gets to be spent. A coin doesn't just sit in your bank account and go, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to buy myself a 55-inch flat screen. 
out of your account it goes and into Sam's Club it goes and then boom, arrives a TV and you're like, where did that come from? And the coins are like, it was, it was my call. Coins don't, coins don't have a mind of their own. Is it no fault of theirs that they get spent where they get spent or they go where they're going to go? And some of you are lost today because you grew up in homes. You grew up in, an, you grew up in a non-Christian home. You grew up in a home that really didn't profess Christ, but you're here today and, and you're lost. Because you don't know Christ. It's okay. It's okay to be lost, by the way. I, I was lost at one point. But it's at no fault of yours. Because you grew up in a home that didn't profess Christ. It's okay. This is a safe place to be lost. Some of you are lost today like the coin at no fault of your own. Because you grew up in a home that maybe you went to church at Christmas and Easter. Or every once in a while during a wedding or during a funeral or whatever. And you knew about God, but you were never challenged to really follow Him. And you're lost today at no fault of your own because you never were really given the challenge to decide if you were going to follow Christ for your own. Even though, even though you're lost at no fault of your own, listen to what God's heart is for you. God's heart says this about you. It said this about the woman, that she would light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it. That's God's heart. He's lit a lamp for you. The lamp is Christ. Christ, the light of the world. He lit the lamp. In Christ, and Christ lived a sinless life, and He gave His life for all of us on the cross, and He died and was buried in the ground, and He rose again on the third day, and He's alive today. In a little while, we're going to celebrate the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, and how that alone it burns away the sin of man as we do baptisms. And the people that are baptized are going to go into the water like Christ went into the grave, and they're going to come out of the water like Christ did, victorious over sin. The water is not going to forgive them of their sin, but the act of baptism is a, is a profession of what they've allowed God to do in their heart, which is they said one day, I'm lost and I need to be found. And they gave their lives to Christ. And today we're going to celebrate that in an open air environment, proclaiming that Christ is the Lord of their life. So what's God's heart towards you today? If you're lost, like the coin at no fault of your own, he lit a lamp called Christ so that you could find your way back to him. God also did this. God will leave no stone unturned. He sweeps the entire house. He's overturning the stones. And every stone he overturns has been one piece of truth after another piece of truth, trying to lead you back to him. Every stone was a truth. It was a word spoken by a grandmother or a grandfather. It was a moment when you sat in a church and you heard the truth spoke and that got deposited into your heart. It was a moment in a desperate moment when you opened up the Bible and you began to read it. It was that moment when in desperation you cried out, if there is a God, and every one of those moments were like truths where God was sweeping the house, overturning the rocks, helping you to see who he is today. God revealing truth. God is also, according to the scripture, working a carefully strategized plan to help you find him. They, the woman searched carefully until she found it. You need to know something. God's been gently moving you towards him. God's not a manipulator. God's not a strong man. God doesn't take your arm and twist it and tell you you're lost. Now you need me. That's not what God does. God gently and carefully moves people to find him. Why? Because you matter. Because you matter today. All of your steps today are ordered by God and God's ordered your steps to this very moment. And if you're here today and you're like the coin and you're lost and no fault of your own, God's here today and he wants to find you. But there was one more that was lost. This one's way different than the other two. This is called the sun. And the sun, the sun was lost 
because of his selfishness. Verse 12 of chapter 15 says this, that a man had two sons. The younger son, he told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. The younger son did that. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Man, what a selfish son to go to a father before he dies and to say to him, you know what, give me my inheritance now. I know you're not even dead yet, but give it to me because I can't stand you, I'm out of here. Selfishness, self-centered living causes someone to abrasively go to their father and ask for that. And then what self-centered young man has the goal to go to his father as the younger son, not the older one who deserves all that the father has, to go to him and say, I've trumped the, other, the, the older brother so I can get what I want. That's very self-centered living. We live in a culture that's me-centered. It's me-centered living. It's all about me and everything that pleases me. We try to please ourselves by materialistically gaining the things that we think are going to make us happy. We try to please ourselves by financially getting ourselves into the place where we think we ought to be. And the whole time we use excuses like, well, when I get to this certain point, then I'm going to follow God. Or when I get successful, some of you businessmen, you've got this benchmark that when I get successful at a certain moment, I can, I can peel away some of my time from that business and I can start following God. I'm telling you, that's very self-centered. That's not, you're, you're more lost than you're found if that's your attitude. Today, we're self-centered with our time. You know, it's all about me and what's going to please me and what I can do. Self-centered living, very much like the sun. This me-centered living, it leaves you with nothing. The son, he got the inheritance. The father gave it to him and he went off. Went off to a foreign land. He started working there. He started partying there. You could almost see him. He bought the sweetest house in the sweetest corner. And he took all of his money and he started building all these friends. He went down to the bar and he met all these people. And he brought them over and he was doing barbecue after barbecue and kager after kager. And he was just having a blast. And people loved him because of what he gave them. Till all of a sudden all of his money was gone. Then the landlord came and said, I want my, want my place back. He got ejected out into the streets and the reality started to set in and he had to start working. He started working one job, but he didn't really know how to work because he had never had to really strive for anything because he trumped all of that and he stole what was not his and he went out selfishly to try to live it. So he had no work ethic and he couldn't hold down a job and he goes through one job after another, after good opportunity, after good opportunity, all the way down to working at a pig farm. Now, Jews and pigs, they just don't go together. It's not something that links together. So to be working in a pig farm as a Jewish man would not have been good. Not, not only to mention that, but he, he didn't have anything so much that he was even eating the food that the pigs had. Selfish, self-centered living will leave you with nothing today. You're more lost than you are found today if that's the attitude that you've got. Well, you might, you might sit in the pews of new life Sunday after Sunday, but if that's your attitude, you're more lost than you are found today. But God's here to redeem you. God's here to, re to bring you back into the fold. God's here to help you find your way back to him where your life will be lived fully devoted to him. I know this. I know this son. This son was me. That man was me. I remember the day I grew up in church my entire life. But I never really truly had a personal relationship with God. I always thought Christianity was boring, was dull, and that I would lose everything. I would have no fun if I really seriously gave my life to Christ. I lived in St. Louis, and as I, got, as I got into my young adult years, and I decided, well, you know what? I'm going to go live life the way I think it ought to be lived. 
And I was married at that time and I had three kids. And I had the goal to be so self-centered that I told my wife that I've been married to for 26 years. And I told my children, which some of them are here today, three of the four are here today. And I basically said to them, I don't want to do anything with you anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And I sent them away from me. And I was the one who went to the foreign land to live. And I wasted everything I had. I had no money in my bank account. I ended up with no apartment to even live in. I slept on the couch of a friend's because I gave them the couch. That secured me a place to live. And I just partied. I took every bit of all the money I had. And I was the guy who would rent the limousines and have all my friends ride around town in it. And I was the guy who bought the kager. And I was the guy who would go out and buy the marijuana. I was the guy who bought it all because I didn't have anybody else to spend it on but me. And I wanted all my friends to be with me. Because somehow I was trying to find happiness in the midst of being lost. And when you're lost and you're just throwing cash around and you're living self-centered, you lose a lot of things that you'll never find again. And I remember getting to the end of my rope one day at 3 o'clock in the morning, kneeling down next to my bed and praying a very simple prayer. God, if you really are out there, if you're really out there, then I remember hearing about you when I was a kid. And I remember hearing the teachings of you. When I was a teenager, and I remember a couple of moments when I thought I sensed you, but I wasn't sure. But God, if you're out there and you would take a person like me who's all messed up, you would have me back. And I want to try to live my life for you. Because at this current moment, I've wasted everything. It was at that moment that in that apartment in Bellevue, Nebraska, that God showed up in that apartment. And God spoke to me like I had never heard God before in my life. You know the first words God said to me? The first words that the father said to the lost son he said, welcome home. See, today, if you're living a self-centered, selfish life, one of the things you need to know is that God's searching for you, but he's not chasing you. God lets the self-centered person who once knew him intimately, he lets them walk away from him. And God stays right where he's at. And he goes, I'm going to stay put until you, Mr. or Mrs. Self-Centered, come back to me. God doesn't move. He's like an anchor. He's like that point in your GPS where he hit the button and he knows, he, you know where he's at and you know how to find him because you know what's right. It's like I knew down deep on the inside, I was trying to cover it up, but you knew, you know what is right. God's going, I'm right here. Just like the prodigal, when the son walked away, the father was there and the father was going, when I see you, and the Bible says that the father looked and he saw him while he was afar off and the father opened up the gate and he starts running down the trail and the son sees him coming. And when the father gets there, the son doesn't grab him by the shoulders and go, where have you been? He doesn't grab him by the shoulders and go, where's my money? He doesn't grab him by the shoulders and go, why do you smell like a pig? You look horrible. And he runs up to him and he wraps his arms around him and he says, welcome home. Those are the words I heard. Welcome home. And I've been building a relationship with God ever since that day, many years ago. That was over 20 years ago. And it still feels fresh, like it happened five minutes ago as I talk about it. See, the son, the son came back very humbled. He came back and he said, maybe I'll just be a servant, not a son. But the father would see nothing of it. The father said, there's one thing for you. And that is, you're going to be my son again. Why? Why? Verse 15, chapter 15, verse 20 says, so the son returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He filled, filled with love and compassion in the father's heart. He ran towards the son and embraced him and he kissed him. God's here today to embrace you, 
and to kiss you right on the cheek just to let you know I love you, I'm for you, I'm not against you. God's love reaches out today to find sinners, lost people, no matter where you are, why you're that way, or how you're living. Three things were lost, sheep, a coin, and a son. All of them warranted an all-out search. The shepherd goes out to find the sheep. A woman turns her house upside down to find the coin. And the father stays put and his heart's longing for you to come. And when he sees the selfish, turn from their selfish ways, he goes running after you. That is the father that we serve. And when all those things were found, a great celebration happened. The shepherd brought all of his shepherd friends in. The woman who lost the coin brought all of her neighbors in. And they threw a big party and they said, what was lost has been found. And the father who lost the son, he kills the fatted calf. He puts a ring, of a signet ring, the family ring, back on the son. He puts a robe back on the son. He dresses him back like a son should be dressed. And he gives the son a second inheritance. That's unheard of. He gives him what he lost. And he restores him completely. And he throws a huge celebration. And he invites all of his friends and he goes, My son who is lost has been found. God's here today. And he's saying these simple words to you. If you're lost, I want you to be found. Welcome home. Whether you wandered away, lost at no fault of your own, or selfishly knew God, and you turned and abandoned him, and you walked away, God's ready to throw a party for you. So today, it's a simple question today. Are you lost? Because if you're lost, it's time to be found. If you're lost, it's time to be found. Would you pray with me? Fall across this park. Maybe you found yourself in one of those three examples today. Maybe you just kind of wandered away or maybe you were lost in no fault of your own or maybe you were more like me. You once were intimate in a relationship with God, but you just decided to go and selfishly live life the way you wanted to. If you're lost today, Christ is here to find you. But you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice of whether you want to come back to him or you want to continue on and be lost. Many of these items that are on the stage with me today are going to go back to the church and they're going to be given out the goodwill because some of these lost items are never going to be claimed. How are you going, what decision are you going to make with your life? Are you going to just kind of continue on with your lostness? Or do you sense God's spirit today drawing you to himself? So today, if you're here today, you don't have a relationship with Christ. You feel lost and you want to know God. You want to be set free of the sin you want to hear the Father say, welcome home? And what I want you to do is I just want you to raise your hand because I want to be able to pray with you today. If you're here today and you, still, you just feel like, man, I, I'm lost today, Jeff. I want to be found today. I'm out here at Yanny Park. I'm in a safe place outside. But I feel lost today and I want to be found. There's nothing wrong with that. I was lost one day. I see it. I see your hand out there. I see your hand right there. Yeah, I see both of you guys. I see you, sir. I'm lost. I can't, if I can't, if I didn't see your hand, I just want to see it. I'm lost today. I see you all the way in the back, man. I'm lost today and I want to be found. Yeah, I see you over there, man. There's nothing, there's nothing more rewarding in your heart than to hear the voice of God say, welcome home. I want to ask you to do something that's maybe a little bit bold. All right? Just a little bold. But if you're here today and you raise your hand, I personally, I would love just to have a moment just to talk with you right down here at the front. 
We're going to move on in our service, but I want to be able to connect with you. So can we have everyone stand? And as we stand, if you raised your hand, would you just make your way right now? In fact, while you're making your, would you just come? Yeah, if you raised your hand, just meet me right down here. Right now. Just right now. Don't wait another moment. If you raised your hand and you're serious about the fact that you feel like you were lost and you know it's time to be found, I want you to meet me right here because I know what that feels like. And if you're here today and you're getting baptized, I want you to come as well. And I want you to go right on the back side of these speakers and you're going to meet Pastor Ed. All right? But if you're here today and you responded to that altar call, then I want, I want you to just come and meet me right down here. Because this is the place. This is a place where people are found. This is the place. This is the place where God says, welcome home. Because that's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. Welcome, buddy. Come on. you to pray with me. All right? I'm going to pray a prayer. Same prayer that I prayed at that next to that bed. I want to I want to lead us all in that prayer. You guys that are down here, pray that with everything inside your heart, but everyone with me, just pray this together, okay? Would you join me? This is a prayer that we're just giving our lives to Christ. Let's let's pray. Dear God, I give you my life. All the things that are messed up, and all the things that are going pretty good. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And to welcome me into your family. I surrender my life to you. You, Jesus, are going to be my leader and my Lord. From this day on. Amen. I want to say welcome. Welcome into God's family. We're getting ready to do something super exciting. Okay? Super exciting. There's 16 people just like you that gave their lives to Christ. Right? And in the New Testament, Jesus taught us that when people gave their lives to Christ, one of the things they did was they publicly made that known by water baptism. Water baptism is by is basically saying, I identify my life with Christ. I'm going to go into the water as the old Jeff Baker. I'm going to come out of the water as the new Jeff Baker, the one that is saved, set free of his sins because of Christ. Now, these 16 people, have they've all like planned this, all right? But I want to offer to you guys as well to be a part of this radical moment. You're thinking to yourself, you mean like get into that water? Yeah. This is what they did. In the New Testament, people like you that gave the lives of Christ, they would walk right over to that lake and go, well, let's make it serious then. It was a public statement to everybody. So you don't have to do that. We do these often. Um, but I did bring a changing tent for everybody. And we actually brought a bunch of extra clothes to be baptized in. Those are all over there. And I've got people to help out with that. So if you guys want to participate in that, uh, you need to go right over on the back side of these speakers. All right. And Pastor Ed. And uh, where's Terry Gertis at? Terry Gertis, you here? All right. If Terry, if Terry Gertis is here, I'd ask him to be over there as well. So 
Um, if he's over there, if not, then Ed, our pastor's over there, and uh, he can he can talk to you guys about that. All right. And if not, then what I want you to do is go to our website and email me, Jeff at newlifecarney.org. Go to our website, email me, and let me know you were one of the ones that gave your life to Christ. And I want to make sure that we offer this for you in the future. Okay. Hey, I'm excited for you guys. Pastor Rogers here. If you guys want to talk to anybody, but other than that, man, we're excited for what God's done in your life. Amen. celebrate by baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All their testimonies are there, and maybe some of these guys will join us. Who knows? The guys, I'm excited for you, okay? All right, let's do this. Let's do this thing.